good to see you this weekend. And if you're in Baldwin County, I hope you're having a great spring break. If you're in Mobile, yours is coming soon. So thanks for being us, with us this weekend. And I want to conclude this series. Um, before I get into it, I want to kind of recap where we've been. If you've missed any of this, you can go back online, watch, and listen to any of it. This, uh, this message today could be a standalone message, but I placed it here specifically on purpose because I feel like this is the bottom line of the whole series. So kind of, let, let's kind of review a little bit in this Welcome Home series. We talked about why leave home, and basically it's because our soul is selfish and needs to submit to the Spirit. We need to die daily. Talked about in week two how to come home, clean your heart, uh, get clean with the Father. Then we talked about, and this one has gotten more feedback just simply because of the title, What's Your Trump Card? Uh, the message had nothing to do with the president at all. It has everything to do with, does the enemy have a trump card he can use on you? Like secrets or sin or shame, which is insecurity, pride, fear, all those things. And then we talked about God's trump cards, the cross. And then week four, we talked about the older brother syndrome. <clears throat> the older brother syndrome affects the way you see yourself and others and even the father. Um, you know, we talked about how to avoid the older brother syndrome. Week five, we talked about the high cost of our inheritance. Both of these young men in the story, the older son and the younger son, received inheritance. And what's our inheritance as a believer and it's redemption and the words that were used in, in the New Testament. There are four different words. We talked about those words, what they mean in the Greek. We studied that out. Week six, we talked about how to stay home and not to change from the outside in. That is to conform, but you should transform. Transform is changing from the inside out. Why? So that we can be healthy. We can function in the way God's called us to function, to be a believer, to be a child of God. And, and, and uh, Trey did a great job on that message. Week 7, last weekend, we talked about the gifts of the Father. When the prodigal returned, the Father gave him three gifts, a robe, a ring, and shoes. And I posed the questions, are you wearing your robe? That's his righteousness, because if you're trying to do it on your own, you're not going to do it. Are you using your ring, which represents his authority? Are you under his authority? And are you wearing your shoes? That means, are you walking in freedom? Now, when most of us think of the word prodigal, because this whole series has been brought around this, uh, we, we think of someone who has lost their salvation, but this word doesn't mean, doesn't mean lose your salvation. I do believe believers can go astray and that the father is waiting for them to come home, and that is really the story behind the prodigal son. Now, there are God's children that walk away, but still they're God's children. And so some of us have this mindset, well, I'm saved, I'm lost, I'm saved, I'm lost, I'm saved, I'm lost. And, and there's no scripture that can support a theology like that. So we, we've talked about how all of us can become a prodigal, maybe in just one area of our life or maybe for a short period of time or even a long period of time, but a believer can leave home. A believer can become a prodigal. Remember, this guy was a son. He, he left the family. So not just a lost person, but a person who leaves the family and leaves home. We looked into the word prodigal, and it simply means a person who is lacking restraint. So is there an area of your life that has been difficult for you to get under control that you cannot restrain? And, and, it, and it seems like if you could just conquer this one area, everything would be great. And we agreed in this series, none of us ever want to be a prodigal. However, I believe all of us have been prodigal at some time or another in our lives. And 
maybe for years or months or days or maybe even last week. And so I want to finish this series with this message entitled, The Father is Waiting. The Father is Waiting. Here's the first point. You are precious. Not the dog and not the cat. You are precious. Would you say that about yourself? You don't have to say it real loud. Just say, I'm precious. Not to your neighbor, just to you. Talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. It's okay. I'm precious. I think Luke 15 tells us some things that we need to know about ourselves. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to communicate in the three parables that are in Luke 15. Remember, we've referenced these parables through the whole series. There's three there. We've highlighted one. So let me go to Luke 15. And we'll start with verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So, so that's the reason Jesus is going to tell the next three parables. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness? And go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. Notice the ownership. My sheep which was lost. And I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. So he tells three stories in Luke 15. We're going to read all three of them today. The first one we just read is about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. He loses one. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He finds it. He puts the sheep on his shoulder. He brings it home. He calls his friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me. Now, it's obvious, and we know because Jesus said it, this shepherd represents Jesus Christ. In John 10, 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, th- this is really simple, but I want you to listen to this point about this parable. The point is, from this parable, you are precious. You, individually. And, and, and think about this. This shepherd has 100 sheep. He loses one. He goes after the one sheep. We're precious because Jesus knows all of his sheep. He knows you individually he knows you and he says rejoice with me because my sheep was lost is found and notice that the shepherd doesn't need someone to find the sheep he comes himself now you can do a study on the phrase he he himself that phrase is in the scripture quite a bit he himself and and so and and it's it's a powerful powerful phrase he himself and just in the book of hebrews let me show you a few places this phrase is in there it's important in Hebrews 1, 3, the, the last part of that verse, he had by himself, he had by himself purged our sins. No one helped him by himself. Hebrews 2, 18, the first part of that verse, he himself has suffered. He himself has suffered. Hebrews 13, 5, the, the last part of that verse says, for he himself, and you probably know the rest of this verse, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He himself Now, if you look over in the Old Testament, I'll show you a verse there. It doesn't say he himself, but it says he. 
So it means Jesus, this is a a messianic scripture. This is a scripture about Jesus before Jesus comes to the earth. Isaiah 59, 16. He, Jesus, saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Now that word intercessor means that there's someone who's making intercession. Another word that looks like intercession is the word intersection. In other words, where you bring two things together. So he says, you know, that he wondered, well, there's no one to bring God and people together to intersect. There's no one there because man had sinned and and, and therefore in his own arm brought salvation. So what I want you to know from the first parable is Jesus himself came to get you. He himself left the 99. He came to get you, you personally, because you're precious to him. Now, there's a story I want to share with you because to me, this is what Jesus did. So let me share this story. This story is a true story. After World War I, uh, the United States allocated funds for orphanages in Europe. At one of the orphanages, one day, a very thin, older man shows up with a little girl. He asks the people there, hey, will you take care of this little girl? And they ask him, well, are you the father? He said, yes, I'm the father. And they said, we're sorry, our policy, our rules, we can't take in children if either of the parents are alive. He said, but I've been in prison camps. I'm sick. I I can't work. I I don't have a home. I I don't have covering. I don't have food. And and they said, they had compassion on him. They said, but but we, we, we can't do anything about it. We're sorry. It's in our policy. He said, So you're telling me that if if I die, you'll take care of my little girl and she can live, have food, and have a home? And he said, yes. The father reached down without even thinking to his little girl. He hugged her. He kissed her. He said, I love you. He put her hand in the hand of the man at the desk and said to him, sir, I'll arrange it. And he walked out and he took his life. In some ways... I think that's what Jesus did. He said to the Father, You mean if I die, they can live? The Father said, Yes. And he put my hand in the hand of the Father and said, I'll arrange it. The shepherd, here's what I'm trying to say, the shepherd left heaven to get one sheep, you. You, if you were the only sheep, He was coming for you. So you're precious. Why else would the shepherd step in front of a wolf for each sheep? Because you're precious. Here's the second point. You're valuable. Say to yourself, I'm valuable. Here's the second parable. Luke 15, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house search carefully until she finds it and when she has found it she calls her friends and neighbors together saying rejoice with me for i have found the peace which i lost she lost her coin she found her coin likewise i say to you this is jesus talking there is joy in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner who repents now i think he uses a silver coin here because he's trying to show value a silver coin did show value in that day from many perspectives. But he's also using a woman in this story because he's trying to show the Holy Spirit. I talked a little bit about this last weekend. 
If you think about the first parable, it's a shepherd. That's obviously Jesus. If you look at the third parable that we've been studying for seven weeks now, that's the prodigal with the father, then obviously that's God the Father. So here you have a woman who represents a type of the Holy Spirit. So here in these three parables, back to back to back, you see a picture of the Trinity. You see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, for the most part, here, here, here's another thing that's in here. I want you to see this. For the most part, women are more in touch with their feelings than men are. And all the ladies should say yes and amen. I mean, I'll just illustrate it this way. Because you see, they're more in touch with their... That's why we get married. They're more in touch with their feelings. Because, you know, let's just say, I'll illustrate it this way. A woman will say, you mean when you were a child, your parents left you? Yep. You're telling me your parents left you and you were raised by wolves? Yep. Doesn't that bother you? Doesn't that hurt? I'm talking to men now. No, that didn't hurt. Kind of like the wolves. No problem. She says, talking about women, oh, I think it hurt you. Nah, no problem. Daddy always said, suck it up, buttercup. So, you know, it's no problem. So here's what she does, the woman, type of the Holy Spirit, grabs a memory and a feeling over here and puts them together. And all of a sudden, for the first time, she starts saying, you know, I think it hurt you. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. And she takes that memory and that feeling and puts it together. And all of a sudden, the man says, oh, mm, what's that? She says, honey, that's a feeling. And if I could sing, I'd start singing feeling. Am I telling the truth, ladies? That's right. It's it's the way we're made. We're we're so opposite. When you study the Holy Spirit in the Scripture, what do you see? You see emotions. Joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When you study the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, you see the Holy Spirit is even grieved. Grief is an emotion. When a believer goes into sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit. James said in in chapter 4, verse 5, Or do you think that Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Listen, jealousy is an emotion. And did you know there's good jealousy and bad jealousy? Just like there's good fear and bad fear. The bad is you're jealous because of what it means to you. The good jealousy is you're jealous because of how it affects the other person. And we know there's good jealousy because the Holy Spirit feels it. So watch, this woman, she has silver coins. The root word for silver in the Hebrew means desirable. Desirable. So she has ten coins, and she yearned for the one she lost. The shepherd had a hundred sheep, and he grieved over the one he lost. So here's the Holy Spirit in this parable turning on the lamp, turning on the light so we can find our way home. In the story that you listened to with Rob on the video telling you he went into an empty house. How powerful a picture to step into an empty house and there's no light on. 
But I'm telling you, if you go back home, the Holy Spirit will illuminate so that you can see the value that you have and understand that the the emotions that you have, they're real. And many times our emotions have been hurt and they've been strained since a child. And many times we don't know how to deal with those, especially men, so we block them out. And the Holy Spirit says, no, let me illuminate, let let, let me help you, let me minister to you because you are that valuable. You are not junk. You are not trash. You are not a mistake. You are valuable to me. And by the way, those silver coins in that era had an image on them. They had the image of the ruler. You remember they asked Jesus, should we pay taxes? I think we should ask him again today. (laughs) At least that that much. (laughs) I mean, come on. And Jesus' answer was, well, whose image is on the coin? And they said, Caesar. He said, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and unto God what's God. But that's, there's an image on the coin. The coin is valuable. The coin is silver. And there's a whole, whole list of teaching on silver and the purities and all that stuff. I don't have time to get into that. But the, 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 whose image is on you? Because you're valuable. You're likened to silver. Whose image is on you? You were created in the image of God. You were created in the likeness of God. That's the image that's on you. So the, listen, we, we know today, you know, you, you get an appraisal on a piece of property. We know appraisal basically is the value of anything is determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. And God looked at how valuable you were and you are, and he paid the blood of his son for you. He's paid the same price for you as he paid for any leader since, since Christ's time. Any, any leader, anybody you can read or, or study that you've heard of or read in a book or whatever, you're just as valuable as any of them. You're just as valuable as a pastor to God. So these coins all had the same value, but she wanted to find the one because she, each, each coin had value. She refused to lose one. She found it. So you're valuable and you're precious. You ready for the third point? Are are you breathing? Okay, here's the third point. You are unique. You're unique. Now, don't tell yourself that. Tell your spouse. Go ahead, tell them. Because they're going to say, so I know that. Go ahead, tell them. I'm unique. Some people just will not. They just won't won't admit it, but you're unique. I'll show you what I mean in a minute. Here's the third parable. We've been in it for weeks. Luke 15, 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood, his inheritance. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. There wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He's living without restraint. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He came to himself. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Then he rose, arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him.
What I'm going to say next is probably very difficult. I know it's very sensitive. I know from the last service that in sharing many things that this has stirred a lot in people. So I want you to know that I'm being sensitive and I'm not doing this for the wrong motive. But, but this is the way the Lord showed me this truth. Some of you listening to me from the correctional facilities, the Foley and Baymanette, Mobile, online, some of you uh, have lost children. Many of you have had miscarriages. So I'm not going to use this in an insensitive way, but this is the way the Lord showed me the fallacy of our thinking and shows me something that brings clarity to it. And this is, this is just me. You may not think like this. Sometimes when a person has a miscarriage, we, when we hear about it, have this thought. And sometimes I probably have expressed it. But I have this thought immediately. Well, do, do they have other children? At, at least they have other children. So the Lord shows me that each child is unique. If you lose a child, even if you have other children, you still grieve. It's your child. It's unique. One of a kind. Not another one like it. It still breaks your heart because that child is unique. So hear me. Hear me in the same way. In the same way, you are unique to God. And it's, it's easy for us to think about that God loves us as a group and uh, City Hope Church and we're in the family of God, but God loves you as a person. He loves you as a person. It's easier to, to try to receive that in a group, but alone and, and isolated and doing your own thing, sometimes it's hard for us to receive that because we know these things about us and we think, well, God doesn't love us, but we're unique. I mean, you think about this. He created the animals, not only their sizes and colors of all the animals, but their function. Every aspect of that. He created all the, the mountains and the valleys and the rivers and the streams and all the beauty of nature. He created the stars and the planet and the solar system. He, the creator, has the ability and the knowledge to create every detail that we see around us. So you need to know that he has the ability and the knowledge to know you personally. Personally. And if he can create every detail of every plant and animal, and, and, and they're all unique and they're all different, he knows you. And he loves you. And you're valuable. But for some reason, that's hard for some of us to believe that he knows us that well and that we're that valuable. As a matter of fact, he created you because there's no one living now or has ever lived that has the exact DNA that you have. No one. You're valuable. You're precious. You're unique. God designed it that there is no one living now that has, or ever, that has the exact fingerprint you have. And in your mother's womb, he designed your fingerprints. So that's why the father was grieving for the son that was lost. 
because he missed that son and that's why he grieves when a person who is his sheep belongs to him becomes a prodigal because that's his child his image is on you if you are a believer if you've accepted jesus christ as lord and savior his image it, it, you belong to him but his image he created you with his image and, and that's why the father was grieving because the the, the the image is on that's my child so so look let me, let me recap and i want to show you something so what do we have three parables a shepherd that loves a sheep that loves sheep a woman who loses a coin a shepherd who loses a sheep a woman who loses a coin and a father that loses a son but there is one major difference in the third parable one major difference so watch i want you to see this number one the first the first parable the shepherd goes and gets the sheep and brings it home in the second parable the woman searches the house finds the coin puts it back in her collection in the third parable the father didn't go get the son you want to know why because the son has a choice the father's heart battles waiting waiting what's he waiting for his kids to come home and and here's where this this is this is where this is so tricky because we hear the story of the prodigal and we think these people that, that have never known god and yes you can be a person that never known has never known god and far from god never accepted but for the most part this is about people who know god and then are a son of god and a child of god but they lack restraint in some area of their life and they go through the motions they go to church they show up they come home but it's kind of empty oh it's not empty in here it's empty in here why because the father is waiting to connect you back to what he has planned for you and established for you because there will never be the day that you feel fulfilled and know who you are until you're back in the house in the home with the father why you're in his image you're in his likeness he has a plan for you he has hope for you he has a, he has a future he has all of these things for you the reason watch the reason the father didn't go get his son the son and bring him home is because his body would have been home but his heart would not have been home god created you in his image and in here god has a will therefore you have a will so the father waits for his kids to come home it's your choice it's your choice yeah but this is not a big thing no it's something that has you in a far country a distant country it has you something not a, that's keeping you from the father's house and it's a seasonal thing or maybe it's maybe it's been going on a long time but you know what what we have to know is the father's waiting on his kids to come home because what he has in the home is better than what we're experiencing in the far country and notice all three were looking the woman and the shepherd and the father too but the father saw him when he was a great way off he's still looking he just can't go get him and bring him home the shepherd went and got the sheep put him on his neck took him home the woman she searches and turns the lamps on she searches until she finds and puts the coin back in the collection not the father he's looking the difference is the son is a person not a coin or a sheep He's a person, and he has a will, 
and can decide whether he's going to come home or not. You decide that. And then listen, here's what I want you to understand. We, we, some of us have grown up in church where we, 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 we know this prodigal mentality. And we have this, and we get a little better, and we get back in line, and this gets us. And it's just a constant battle. And the father's saying, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live that way. Years ago, years ago, a man who had been away from God for 10 years, he wouldn't go to church, he was angry at God, and finally, out of the blue, one morning, he said to his wife, I need to go back to church. His wife was a believer, she'd been going to church. She said, great. They get in the car, they head to church. On the way, he pulls off the road. He grabs his steering wheel like this, and she's thinking, what's wrong? Is he having a heart attack? She said, what's wrong? He said, I'm, I'm the prodigal son. I feel like the prodigal son. She said, yeah, but you're going home. Watch. He said, yeah, but I don't know if he wants me back. And I think he's, he's going to ask me, where have you been? What have you done? I'm not sure he wants me back. She took his hand in the vehicle. She prayed for him. They went on to church. The pastor in that church preached the message, gave an invitation just like we do every weekend for you to come and be prayed with, someone to pray with you. He went down. The pastor felt compelled to go down and pray for this man, did not know him, had never seen this man before. pastor put his arm around the man and, he, and, and, and the man started to cry and the pastor said to the man, listen, I, I, I don't know you, but the Holy Spirit gave me this impression to share with you. The Lord told me to tell you this. And here's what he said. The Lord said to this man, I, I know you feel like the prodigal, but I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I just want my son back. Jesus died for what you've done, where you've been. And the Holy Spirit has turned the light on in this message so you can get home. And the Father is waiting for his children to come home. The Father is waiting for you. And listen, I know in my heart, I know in my heart, because of, of the years and years of ministry with people, I know we struggle with this. I know we have areas of our life that have no restraint and, and, and I, 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 some of us could be the poster child for the prodigal son. And here's the danger. The enemy says, oh, that's the person who's never, came, never, never given their life to Jesus. No, that's not what the story says. I've seen this lived out so many times in so many people's lives. One of my brothers always felt like the prodigal. And when he was pursuing God, he was back at the father's house. He was phenomenal. 
couldn't stay out of the far country. And in the far country, his mind would work on him and say, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. You're a failure. You're a mistake. You're not valuable. You're not precious. You're not unique. You can't get it together. So in his 40s, he took his own life. See, this is real, this prodigal thing. I left this message on the end because I wanted you to know the Father's waiting for you. I know when we come to church and we kind of got this thing figured out and all that, but I, I want you to ask yourself, what is the Lord saying to me in this message? Because I really believe there are people that need to come home in one area of your life. I believe there are people who wouldn't classify themselves as a prodigal, but there's an area of your life that in that area you need to come home. You need to come back to God in that area. Or maybe you're listening today and you realize, I'm, I'm not a son or a daughter. Well, you can start that relationship today also, and he'll change your life forever. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to, have, I want us to sing one worship song about grace. I want you to stay right where you are. We're not dismissed. After this song, one of the pastors will come and, 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 and ask you to come to the front where people can pray for you people who love you, people who know how to pray. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Listen, it's as simple as this. Most of you that went to church learned the little song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. We can sing it, but we don't believe it. The Father's waiting for you. The Father's waiting. He so wants to wrap his arms around you. He so wants to kiss you with a kiss of acceptance. He so wants to give you the gifts that are yours. He so wants to break this prodigal mentality. Because it's, it's a snare of the enemy. It's, it's part of the mindset that he plays mind games. So I want to pray for you. And then we're going to sing a song. Then you'll be dismissed. So I ask you not to leave during this song. This song is very, very important to this message. Lord, thank you so much for grace and mercy. But to be honest with you, Lord, I don't think we can fully comprehend grace. And that's why we have to attach faith. We have to attach the faith in your word and the promises of your word. Because, Lord, the enemy wants us to stay out of the Father's house. The enemy wants us to think the Father is not waiting, that I'm not valuable, that I'm not precious, that I don't deserve this love, I can't measure up, and all of those things that we have in our minds are not true. Let us come to our senses today and head to the Father because he's waiting. We have to make the choice. You've made the provision. We have to choose. But the Father, Father God, you are waiting on us. And we thank you for that miracle. In Jesus' name.
said it very plainly, very clearly. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Son has provided a way for us to have a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit seeks speaking to you right now about where your life is at. Maybe a portion of your life that is prodigal, is far away from God in a faraway land, but the message of this entire series and today is that the Father is waiting. The Father is waiting to welcome you home. So maybe you're here and you need to respond to this message by coming forward as we dismiss in just a moment. We're going to continue singing and there'll be a group of people up front here. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about a specific area of your life that you need to come home maybe you're here and you just need to respond to the gift that is through Jesus Christ. 
and you know His Spirit's calling you. Maybe for the very first time, you need to respond to this message by coming forward and accepting that gift and coming home to the Father. Either way, you're welcome home. He's waiting for you to respond. And so we're going to continue singing, but if I can have everyone stand. And those that are coming forward to help people pray, come now. And if you need to respond to this message, I invite you to come as we sing this song. For everyone else, God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week at City Hope. Were it not for grace, we would still be lost in darkness. Without a love that's never failing us, oh, the price would be more than we can pay. And were it not for grace, still be lost in darkness without love it's never failing us oh the price would be